Hello, tech friends, and thank you for tuning in to Emerging Technologies in Business, where we take a deep dive into different technologies that are impacting businesses today and in the very near future. I'm your host, Brock Reiney, and this podcast is brought to you by Kincannon XR. Let's talk tech. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with the CEO of DICOM Director, Dr. Dr. David Pearlstone. He's going to talk through how XR is quickly changing the healthcare community as a whole. And DICOM Director is the new reality of healthcare as medical imaging is evolving at a rapid pace, creating new challenges daily for clinicians, patients, and healthcare institutions now more than ever. The management of x-rays and other radiology studies require a reliable, no-touch solution, and that's where DICOM Director's cutting-edge products are at the forefront of this generation of medical imaging software. David, thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you today? Good, sir. Thanks, Mark. Um, Terrific. Thank you. A real pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. We definitely appreciate it. So, David, um, talk me through a little bit about medical imaging in XR and how that's changing the way that doctors are accessing and visualize, visualizing three-dimensional patient cases. It's a great question, Brock, and that's really where we came to this whole problem was that uh, we feel uh, that uh, imaging in healthcare is woefully behind. Essentially, it's all two-dimensional. And what's important about that is that the way that we actually obtain CT scans today is three-dimensionally. The data is taken in as a three-dimensional data set. And yet, until recently, we've dumbed that down into 2D images because that's all we had. Now that we have extended reality, we can actually view these CT and MRI scans in the way that they were taken and really intended to be seen. It's pretty amazing. So we've actually been dumbing ourselves down in the healthcare world for decades and decades, and now we finally have a tool that can utilize the way that everything, all these scans were initially intended to be utilized in the first place. Certainly one way to look at it. The, the data is there, and we have not been able to tap into it until the development of extended reality. Wow. So for someone like a radiologist, do these types of capabilities reduce turnover times for these scans? Um, the use of this technology in diagnostic imaging still really remains in the future. Um, at this point, we uh, talk about the use of this imaging really as for procedure guidance and procedure planning. I do think that ultimately we will be using these images, radiologists will be using three-dimensional images for diagnosis, but as for now, they are expert in making these diagnoses on two-dimensional images, and I think it'll be a bit of time that would require a pretty significant change in the training of radiologists and, and all of that. So I think that's a bit of a ways off, but the ability to make these images very relatable and understandable really brings it into a usable realm for the surgeon and the patient. And, and makes them much more practical for, again, procedure guidance. Okay. So for our audience members, I'm a little bit familiar with what uh, DICOM Director does, but for our audience, can you tell them a little bit more about what IntraVision XR as one of the pieces of DICOM Director software suite does for them? Sure. Thank you. IntraVision XR is our uh, marquee piece of software. And essentially what it does is takes any portion of a CT scan that you care to pull out um, the, the liver or the blood vessels within the liver or the parts of the brain, whatever it may be, and you create that image and then IntraVision allows you to view that image in extended reality. So that would be virtual reality or augmented reality. 
And then the goal is to take that image and superimpose that X-ray image on top of an actual patient. So this would be a mixed reality application. And there you get virtual X-ray vision by taking the CT components, the blood vessels, a tumor within a liver, placing that actually on top of a patient's liver in the operating room. And now you have virtual X-ray vision. And one of the examples that you showed me when we got to meet each other last month was uh, someone's lungs. And they were being infected with pneumonia at the time and being able to zoom in and see where the pneumonia was able to touch. I would imagine having a 3D representation has got to help doctors diagnose a lot better than what we've been doing before. It seems like it's almost been guesswork until now it's a little bit less of a guesswork now, right? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say guesswork. Radiologists are quite expert at making the diagnosis. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, but I think you're on the right track with that idea. It makes things, again, I think just that much more intuitive. We talk about the end user of a CAT scan. The radiologist is not the end user of the CAT scan. The end user of the CAT scan is usually the person who ordered it, the person who's going to use that CT scan to guide a procedure or plan a procedure. Those are the people that we're looking at. And those are the people now can see their CT scan in a much more relatable, understandable, and useful way. Seeing the CT scans cut up into slices that you have to view one at a time on a two-dimensional screen is not as good as we can do. Yeah, that makes total sense. And the other thing I was really thinking about when I started to go through some of the XR um, just advancements that we've seen, and I wanted to ask you simply because you've got so much experience in the, in the medical industry, are you seeing um, people in the medical industries or hospitals or organizations that are leveraging this new type of technology, are you seeing that they're attracting a higher level of talent than those who maybe have been a little more off-put about this type of adoption? That's a very interesting uh, issue, Brock. Um, the issue of the adoption of technology in healthcare, particularly in surgery, is a fascinating issue. Uh, time is very much on our side in this technology, which is that um, the use of this type of advanced imaging technology is is native to people under a certain age. Those who were brought up in an era of video games, which I, I hate to use that as a metaphor because it dumbs it down, honestly. But my generation, people younger than me, younger and younger, um, it, it's a completely different attitude towards this type of technology. Uh, we say people perhaps of my generation, maybe, maybe not, they will accept it. The younger and younger you get, you get to a point where this uh, generation of clinicians, it's not about accepting it. They're going to demand it. Uh, how can right. you go from playing a video game at the age of 10 and now you've become a surgeon and you use a technology that is laughingly inferior to a game you played at the age of 10. Just not going to happen. That makes a lot of sense, too. And, you know, especially with this newer generation, there's a lot of things that are going to change from them. And one of the things that I noticed, too, is I think XR is going to be utilized to recreate, you know, dangerous situations like a like a firefighter would for we don't want to recreate those situations, but we want them to know what to do when they get to that specific, you know, turning point. Same thing's got to be said in, in the healthcare uh, industry. These younger kids may never work on a cadaver ever again, realistically. So 
Are you seeing that also as a use case for XR in the healthcare industry is replacing the things that used to be training tools that now seem insanely outdated, realistically? You're absolutely spot on, Rock. Um, Case Western Reserve Medical School uh, has been using uh, holographic imaging for their anatomy class for a number of years now. I believe the two classes that have actually graduated fully through medical school there with a full holographic-based curriculum, which is very exciting. I don't want to speak for them, um, but they they are uh, at Case Western very much on the cutting edge in terms of using this type of advanced imaging in medical education. Um, I think it's a natural fit, like you say. If if it's something you spent the bulk of your personal life working in, and now to not have that type of technology available in your professional life would seem um, unreasonable. So yes, no, it's, uh, absolutely, it's the revolution is uh, the revolution is coming. It's it's funny how uh, you know the next generation of doctors and physicians may never work on a cadaver. Sort of like the next generation of people that are going to be driving may never be driving an actual car, just because they don't really <laughs> ever need to learn how to do it. They may never need to learn how to cut open a cadaver in real life and just do it remotely or you know XR wise. Well, so, that, um, that said, my son does have records. Okay. <laughs> But, but I do want to make one point about that. Um, I'm not sure, generally speaking, how comfortable I am with the concept of replacement because there are a lot of things that don't need to be replaced, but they can be augmented. They can be improved upon. They can be supplemented. Um, I don't know. I would not even offer an opinion on whether or not cadavers should be eliminated. I don't know. That sounds like a very complicated question. I can see right. pros and cons. But I can tell you this. Having a cadaver and having a holographic cadaver. In fact, we could make a hologram of your cadaver. You could cat scan your cadaver. We'd have an exact hologram of that and just think of the things that you could do. Um, Absolutely. It's like one of those things where, you know, if you cut a ribbon, you can only do it once. If you cut a cadaver, you can only do it once. Whereas if you have the representation of it, you could say, hey, well, you're going to cut this same spot 50 times until you have it exactly down right. And it just seems like a better way to go realistically and a lot less uh, waste realistically, too. That's an argument we make about 3D printing. Again, another area I would never say eliminating 3D printing has tremendous uses. But if you can have a hologram and a 3D printed, you've got the best of both worlds. As you say, if you've got a beautiful 3D model and, and you slice it open, now it's sliced open. <laughs> it's That's right. Uh, <laughs> so you can have both. So I, I'm, I'm going to ask you a very broad question, but I like to do this specifically with folks who have the knowledge base in a sector that I just don't know anything about. And I like to just leave it open-ended for this specific reason. So – David, from your opinion and your experience and your point of view, what do you think our medical world will look like in five years if you had to make an educated guess? Oh boy. I well, know it's a wide open question. <laughs> yeah, that's, gee, Brock, that's kind of broad. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of the, uh, rightfully so, a lot of the things have to do with the um, equitable delivery of healthcare and, um, and payment. Um, as much as I love technology and value the need that we have for technology, honestly, that's where the biggest changes in healthcare really need to be. But that aside, um, I think that uh, two things off the top of my head that are going to result in dramatic change. Well, three things that are going to result in very dramatic changes in healthcare. Uh, big data, 
and yep. combining big data with the level of computer power that's available and the miniaturization of computer power. So when I say big data, what I mean is uh, the information that we can deduce from having 100 million cardiograms. Okay, that's a lot of data. And now we have a computer that can actually read them. Right. What that's going to lead to, the level of personalized care, et cetera, that is very, very exciting. I think it's going on. And then I do think that the second part of it is the uh, advancements in visualization. Um, it's an area in, and certainly in, in surgery and in interventional procedures, we're, we're just very, very behind. Honestly, we do not take advantage of a lot of technology that is available to us. We still wear magnifying glasses made of optical glass that are quite heavy and sit on your face. I'm pretty sure there are much slicker ways to do that. Um, so we need, that's where we need to go in terms of things like that. That makes perfect sense. Um, so when we met last month, we, you had a particular image that popped up in augmented reality on your business card when I was able to scan your business card. And I don't want to ruin it. I'll let you tell. Um, but can you tell the folks at home what does pop up on your business card? And how do you think augmented reality is changing the healthcare sector today and going forward? I, the, the, uh, so the, thank you. the business card trick is great. Um, some, uh, some of the team in our office uh, is kind of just for fun. And it, it demonstrates some really neat things about augmented reality, uh, extended reality in general. Um, what it is, is if you take my business card and we have an app on our phone and we can give you that app if you would like, um, it's just for fun. Uh, and with the app, if you uh, point your phone at the business card, it reads the logo on my business card. And then in response to that, it can pull up an image. Now we have a pull up the image of a skull. So, because that speaks to what we do, CT scans, et cetera, and you can move the skull around and play with it. But that image can be anything. So, we like that because this it's a really great example of what augmented or mixed reality rather uh, means, which is that you've got an augmented reality device. So, you've got a computer and you have a real world, but there's an interaction taking place. Your computer is recognizing something and doing something specific in response to something. That's the the nut of mixed reality. Uh, so that's why we like that as a demonstration of that. It's a really cool one too. I mean, it, it, it's, it's fun it, and, and um, it is. it's simple. That's the thing. And it, it really speaks to this idea of where things can and will go. Uh, very shortly, you're going to uh, walk down the aisle in a grocery store and just point your phone at a can of soup and God knows what will happen in response <laughs> to your phone seeing the can of soup. All sorts of things can can then happen. Um, so yeah, it's it's um, it's it's wide open. It's pretty remarkable, and it's definitely memorable too. You're the only person I've ever met where you're like, scan my card and have a human skull pop up. So yeah. it, it definitely catches the audience. There's no doubt about that. Business cards. Yeah, if anybody's interested, I have a really great idea for restaurants. Or so hey, hey, reach out. So I got one more question for you, David. Yeah. What is one piece of technology utilized in the healthcare industry today that you would either eliminate or replace, and why? How long do I have? <laughs> as long as, yeah. long as you need. Um, yeah, uh, yeah um, I would love to see, uh, I'll start small. I would love to see every video screen gone from the operating room. Why is that? because everyone should be wearing a device that looks something like a pair of glasses. 
And through that device, you will be able to pull up every piece of information you could possibly want with a voice command. You don't need a screen. You don't need to sit down. You don't need a keyboard. Every single bit of that is 100% doable today. It would, nothing needs new need be invented for what I just described. It need only be the adoption of the technology and setting up the infrastructure. And we're working on some interesting fun projects uh, with that. And again, not just getting, uh, let me give you a great example. One of the most important things we do in the operating room is identifying that we've got the correct patient in the correct room at the correct time with the correct doctor. Right now, that's a bit of a process. You talk to the patient, you ask them, you look at the bracelet and write it down and check and people cross check and sign. Imagine this, you're wearing a HoloLens. All you have to do is look down at the patient's bracelet. It can read the barcode on the patient's bracelet. The headset has a GPS in it, so it knows that patient is in this location at this time. And when I say check, it reads my voice and it knows that it's David Pearlstone who's confirmed that that goes into the patient's record immediately, date and time stamped by me, this patient in this room at this time. That's pretty slick. That is pretty slick. You know, it's funny. I just had a minor surgery uh, a couple of weeks ago and they did exactly what you were saying, where someone came in, they checked to make sure who I was. They looked at my bracelet, then another person came in, then another person. And you're right the with the hollow pieces of paper. Exactly. Right. Put it on a piece of paper that had to get transferred to your chart, which ultimately had to be scanned into a computer to be put into your record. And it just seems I like mean, a waste of time. We don't need to do any of that. Efficiency, really. potential for error, um, which is always the big concern in healthcare. Um, and, and, you know, that system has no guarantees. That there's no time and date stamp on any of that. There's no right. assurance of who it was. There's no assurance that you were even in the correct room. Uh, there's a lot of variables that are missed in the system. And the HoloLens can even do a retinal scan on you, too. Uh, so that's another way to eliminate the wrong person. Uh, retinas Absolutely. are not going to be easy to, uh, well, easy to mimic. The signature on that data is known it is from me because it did an iris scan. Of right. the person who was wearing the device when that was done. So it knows it was me that did it. That's a really good point about screens. As simple as that is, you're right. There's so there's no need for them. Everything yeah. can be replaced realistically right now. My, my and name is the dead silent operating room. <laughs> Nobody has to talk because everything you need is right in front of you. That's super cool. Good point. David, seriously, thank you for being here. Um, where can our audience find you on social media or anything that you want to plug? Oh, well, DICOM Director, of course. Intervision XR, please go to our website, www.dicomdirector.com. 30-day uh, free trial if anybody is interested in trying our software for professionals. Um, we are on uh, LinkedIn, probably the best place to see us. Uh, see my profiles on LinkedIn. We have a Facebook page as well. We are on Instagram as well. Um, and we have a YouTube channel. Um, please continue to check that. And uh, we are continually updating it with more and more videos where you can actually see our product at work and see what it's like to walk inside a pair of lungs that have uh, pneumonia from COVID. It is pretty cool. First handily, I got to see that and I highly recommend it to everybody. Uh, that's going to really do it for today's show. I want to thank Dr. David Prillstone. He's the CEO of DICOM Director, as we mentioned. Again, you can go find more about them at www.dicomdirector.com. 
And I do want to also thank King Cannon XR for sponsoring our podcast. You can find them on social media at King Cannon XR. And you can find our podcasts on socials as well at ETIB Podcast. That's going to wrap up uh, today's show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I know you got some great stuff from David today. I've been your host, Brock Reine. We're going to talk some more emerging tech next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.